Hey, and thanks so much for taking a moment to visit our podcast. Our mission at Antioch FBC is to grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus and go to our neighbors in the nations. We want you to be encouraged by this podcast and hope even more that you would come be a part of what God is doing in the community of Antioch. To find out more, visit us at www.antiochfirstbaptist.org. And now, stay tuned for a message from Pastor Matt. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. We're thankful that we're going to get four weeks out of this one verse. You're, I know some of you are wondering about that, how that's going to go, but it's going to happen, I promise. But if I haven't already, I want to say it officially. Maybe you've been saying it since October. Maybe you've been saying it since the day after Thanksgiving. But Merry Christmas, <laughs> right? As you guys know, uh, Christmas is my most favorite time of the year. I mean, I love being with family at Thanksgiving. But in our house, I don't know if you know this, we added an extra holiday. So we have Thanksgiving, and then either the day after or two days after Thanksgiving, we have a new holiday called Tree Day. Now, for you who've been in our house during Christmas, you know that in that back corner of our living room, we get the most Clark Griswold massive tree that we can fit in that space. And so, now look, we're not a Christmas tree farm family. Like, we, we have not found a farm yet that has trees big enough that, that we can go and cut down and haul off. We have found the best place that you can get them, and this is at Home Depot 100 Oaks. So they're, they're, that's no sponsorship plug. They are not paying me to say that. I'm just telling you, after years of, of research and experience, this is where uh, you want to go. Now, I'm telling you about Christmas trees because, as I said, around November, October, I start thinking about this tree. I'm hoping and praying already that Home Depot of 100 Oaks comes through one more time as they have over many years. There's this anticipation of finding the best tree, Spending time looking and searching for the tallest tree. We measured this one this year. It's 12 feet, 9 inches. Yeah, now I know. We had a, a many of you know, we've been dealing with our fridge, and it's been leaking, and it, it uh, started freezing up again, and we were going to bite the bullet and buy another one, which at Christmas time, who wants to go spend thousands of dollars on a fridge? Nobody. So finally, I told Lauren, I was like, look, we've looked at them. We know what it's going to cost us, but let's just give one more shot. So we found a guy that I think I can trust. I, I, you know, you research and you wonder, uh, appliance repair guys. Anyway, we met him, and he was great. And I called him, and I was like, listen, here's what's happening. Is it worth my time trying to repair this, or do I need to just bite the bullet? And he was like, no, 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 I think I can... I can get it. Well, he came over to the house the other day on Friday morning, and he, he got everything fixed, but it was funny. I watched him. He's like, can I use your bathroom? And I was like, yeah, and you all know the, the side bathroom that, that people use. And he waited around the corner, and he did. He just stopped, and I just smiled. And he said, man, that's a big tree. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, it is. It, it, it brings joy to my heart that it stopped you in your tracks even more. So, uh, But that, that anticipation, you know. 
We read stories, we, we, we sing songs, we read scripture that tell of the anticipation that we're all experiencing now as we enter into this Advent season. And there are many ways, again, that you can celebrate Advent. There are many themes <clears throat> there are many ways that we could, we've taught, I think last year we taught through the hymns of Advent, so we used songs as kind of our base point. And I'll be honest, man, I was, was praying this, this year and, and fig, trying to figure out, like, Lord, what would you have us do during this Advent season? And I was coming up with nothing. And I thought, well, I can pull out the hymns again, or, or I can go and, and find what we did a couple years ago and nuance it. But I just, I just kept praying and kept praying. And I was in my office one day, and, and just the Lord was, just led me to go to Spotify and, and look at, at some songs. I was just going to put some music on while I was praying and prepping and do it all the time. And when I did, I found this song that we've been singing over the last couple of weeks. We'll sing it at the end of the service, Name Above All Names. And when I heard that, it reminded me, the Spirit again reminded me that, that God prophesied the names we would call Jesus. So I just flipped over to Isaiah 9. Lo and behold, there are four names, and there are four weeks in Advent. That's how we got here. And, and I'll be honest, last week we were practicing because J.J. Was, was still not feeling well, and, and, and Lauren looked over, and, and she said, hey, are you okay? And I, it was just this sort of culmination of I felt so unprepared walking into this season, not having exactly what we were going to do laid out months before. And yet, the Lord saw fit that he answered my prayers of just being faithful to go, God, what do you have for us? And he put it all together. And as we started rehearsing that song last week for the first time, I couldn't hold my emotion back. And I shouldn't. It was just this beautiful picture of how the Lord provides even those simple things, and that's going to go along with what we're talking about today and how we see who Jesus is, specifically as we look at him as a wonderful counselor. So before we enter into that section of the text, let's do as we always do. Let's take a moment just to prepare our hearts. We've gotten so many things being inundated with us this week as we've come in here, and so many of you may have distractive thoughts or things you're thinking about, but may we just stop. And we just ask the Spirit of God to open our eyes, to calm down those thoughts. And so during this time, if you find yourself still battling with that, simply pray this prayer. Spirit, give me ears to hear. So let's do just that. Amen. So again, we're going to look at Isaiah 9-6. And if you see there, as Lynn has read, um, we, we see that this prophecy was given. For unto us a child is born, a son will be given to us, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And so each week we're going to take one of those names and, and see and really drive into what they actually mean. So this week we'll look at Wonderful Counselor. But I love how earlier in the passage, if you look back to verse 2, it says people were walking in darkness. 
And those people who were walking in darkness have seen a great light. And that is my prayer for us this Advent. That if you are in here this morning and you feel like you are walking in darkness, you feel like that you are walking in the valley of the shadow of death, that at some point during this season, you will see the great light. And it says, it says the light dawned. It dawned on those living in the land of darkness. What a wonderful, wonderful word to hear. This longing for a savior that we have, this longing for a king, this longing for things to be made right will be fulfilled. But it comes in such an odd package, doesn't it? As a baby, as a son, as a child. Now, before we dive into these particular names, there's some context that we're going to lay a little bit more this week, and I'll add to it a little bit as we go. But there's some things we need to understand, and there's one particular doctrine that we need to kind of look at that is put on display for us this morning. And here's what we see happening in this particular passage in Isaiah 9-6. What we see is that the Holy Spirit is inspiring the prophet Isaiah. And he is inspiring him to write the words given to him by the Lord. And then he is then understanding that these words are telling of the coming Messiah, the Son. In this very moment, we see on display what many Christians have called the Trinity. Right? And many of you may know this, if you look in your Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you will never find that word, Trinity. It's a term and a word that we have sort of used and coined by man to help try to explain that how our God is three in one. And it's hard for us to grasp. It's hard for us to understand. So don't think, oh, you know, Matt has gone to school, he's studied, and he has his, his MDiv, he understands and can explain to us beautifully this morning what the Trinity is. You're going to see that I'm going to fall short of that. Because our minds just don't get it. It's nothing like we have in front of us as an example. We, we don't see anything that fits this understanding So it may be confusing when you read this text and go, this text is talking about Jesus, but it calls him mighty God. This text is talking about Jesus, but it says he's eternal father. This text is talking about Jesus, but we know that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. So how can all of those things fit to be called the son of God, to be called by Jesus? Well, it's because of what we understand as the Trinity, that they are three, but yet they are one. So Ryman and I had this conversation in the car a few weeks ago. She actually was talking to one of her student friends at school who's a Jehovah's Witness, and they don't believe that the Trinity is real. They don't think that Jesus was God. They think he was another prophet. And she was like, Dad, do you have anything that you can give me to help me explain the Trinity? And I was like, absolutely, yes, I do. And I showed her this picture.
And y'all are going, man, how much did you pay for your seminary degree? And this is what you gave her? Right. I'm glad we all laugh because this is a terrible example. But it does kind of help. Three individual little burgers yet still wrapped in one big burger at the same time. I think maybe it gets our minds thinking in that way. But this is a terrible example. I just thought it was funny and I'd share it with you too. But... Here's the deal. Not only was it hard or is it hard for us to understand, it's been hard for the church throughout church history to try to explain exactly what the Trinity is. So much so that there was a council that met together in the year 325. The Council of Nicaea is what it was called. And they literally got together just to discuss this idea, to study it into Scripture. And then they came and said, you know what, we're going to create a creed. So that we can all sort of have this understanding of this explanation of what is the Trinity. And so I want us to read together this morning the Nicene Creed, which shows us their explanation of what the Trinity is. So let's read it together. Ready? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I don't have it memorized, so you're going to have to go to the next slide. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there's a bunch of slides. Okay, here we go. All right. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, Light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate, and he suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, his kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. And we, he spoke through the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. And it is so special when the church of God comes together and openly proclaims the word of God and the truth of God out loud. 
But in order to sum up sort of what we just said, there are three things that, again, I want us to just get and understand that are true for us as we look at the Trinity. Here are the three things. Number one, God is three persons. Each person is fully God. And there is one God. Now, there are many arguments against this idea that the Trinity is true. And, and we could go an entire series, maybe we will one day, about how the Trinity is, is true and how the different people have come against the Trinity. But, but here's what I want us to do, just again, to give us an understanding. Because we're dealing with the birth of Jesus, I want to just spend a few minutes refuting one opposition to the Trinity that fits in with where we're headed today. And here it is. Jesus coming to earth was not the beginning of Jesus. Jesus coming to earth was not the beginning of Jesus. That was not his creation. Jesus has always existed. He was not created by God, the Father. He is, it says, begotten, which also means we could say it this way. He is co-equal. He is co-eternal, meaning he is everlasting with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. You say, well, yeah, that sounds good, but where do you get that? Well, let me show you two quick scriptures, and we'll see, and then we'll move on. The first one, we go back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, when God is creating the heavens and the earth, he goes all the way down, and then he says, let us make man in our image. If Jesus is not yet existing, if he is only existing when he came to the earth, then this scripture can't be true. So Jesus had to have been there during creation, along with the Holy Spirit and God the Father. Let us make man in our image. And so we also see in the New Testament, when John is setting up his gospel, this is very simple. We know this scripture. It says the word was with God, the word being Jesus, okay? So we can read it this way and not take away from scripture. Jesus was with God. And it says at the same time, Jesus was God. The word was God. So we know that Jesus has always coexisted. He is always co-eternal with God. He was never created. This is why we can hear names like Wonderful Counselor, Eternal Father, Mighty God, and they be talking about Jesus. And as I was studying through this uh, passage particularly, I found, and I have a, a set of these, I, I have a set of Charles Spurgeon's sermons that he preached long ago. But they would be recorded, and I have, I've got, not all of them, but I've got a lot of them. And so I have this smaller book that comes with that set that shows me if I want to look up a particular passage, I can go to the smaller book and say, hey, did, did Spurgeon preach on this? And if I find it, then I can go to the, the bigger novels and volumes and to find it. Well, I found some of the sermons that Spurgeon taught, particularly on this verse back in 1858. And I love it because what he did is he started out with teaching about the wonderful counselor and he couldn't get through it. And he had to make it two sermons because he kept talking so much about how wonderful Jesus is before he even got to the counselor part. 
Now, I'm not going to repeat him. I, I'm going to use a lot of what he said. But, but, but that's what I want us to do as we begin this morning. Do we see Jesus as wonderful? That adjective means something. It matters. The question I want to ask you to ask yourself right now is, is Jesus wonderful to me? Now, I remember, y'all eventually are going to go, please go somewhere else so you use more than just Grand Canyon references. But right now, that's my precious <laughs> one, so that's all I got. But I remember, like, walking up to the Grand Canyon this summer. I remember walking through the Narrows at Zion National Park, unable to take in the wonder. I mean, we spent a full day at the Grand Canyon. We, we spent a full day at Zion. We could have stayed there for weeks, taking in the wonder. We flew across the country to see this. We saved our money. We saved our Southwest points, and we made this trip happen. We planned it. We took time off just so we could go take in the wonder. As I was walking there, I kept, kept saying, like, it looks like a screensaver. It, it looks like a curtain that I can just sort of pull off because my eyes and my brain was not ready to process what I saw. They'd never seen anything like it, and they were having trouble. It, it was almost like, is that possibly fake? Is, is it a conspiracy theory? Is it even real? But it is. We, we got down a little bit into it. And I know that we, we, you know, while we were there, it, they taught us all the geological purposes that the Grand Canyon and Zion have. But it's also there for us to just go look at it. To just go take in the wonder and enjoy. And millions and millions of people from all over the world come to those places every single year. And as I'm standing there trying to comprehend the wonder of it all, I remembered, I know who created this. <laughs> this is amazing, but I know the creator of this. I know the author of this. I know the artist who painted this. How much more wonderful it became to experience. See, I, I believe that the church are, are the ones who claim to know this creator of wonder, but have we lost sight of how wonderful Jesus is? I believe that we may have because if we really stopped to realize about the wonder of Jesus, I think we might talk differently. If we truly stopped and took in the wonder of Jesus, I, thought, I think we might treat our neighbor differently. 
Think if we really took in the wonder of Jesus. We couldn't just go back to the old way of life. If we really took time to take in the wonder that God didn't just stay in heaven, that God put on human flesh to reveal himself to us as fully God and fully man, if we really take time to take in the wonder that he came to earth not to be served, but to serve, To serve mankind by taking on our sins, by dying a death that we deserve. If we really took time to take in the wonder of that, I imagine that our lives would look different. I think we need to take time to just take in how wonderful it is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to show you like how my heart thinks about things and you're going to go, man, you're just laying yourself out there today. I am. I remember hearing as a kid that heaven is forever. And I remember singing songs like when we've been there 10,000 years, it's like we just begun. And I'll be honest, I thought, yeah, but how boring is that going to be? <laughs> Have you ever thought through that? Like, how is eternity going to just stay filled up with stuff to do if it's eternity? I know we're going to go worship Jesus. I know we're going to be around his throne. But eventually, aren't we going to get tired of that? Like, what else are we going to do there? But then we start thinking about there are angels who are just surrounding his throne right now, saying, holy, holy, holy. They're not tired of it. It's been going on for ages and ages and ages, and they still fly around his throne saying, holy, holy, holy. When we truly take in the wonder of Jesus and think that we will be able to be in the presence of the one who came down to earth to take our sin, to take my shame. And now I see it as I get to spend eternity crying out with him, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the one who didn't leave me as I am. Worthy is the one who was perfect yet took my sin. When we've been there 10,000 years, it's just like it just begun. Because I can't thank him enough. I can't. When we take in the wonder that even though I did nothing to deserve it, I did nothing to earn it. He still sent his son. He still saved me. That's wonder. 
That's wonderful. But it doesn't just stop there. It says he's a wonderful counselor. As many of you know, a counselor is someone who walks alongside you to guide you, to help you along the way. And our God has been this for us since he created man in the beginning. Because we see him in Genesis walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. We see him walking alongside the children of Israel as they're wandering in the desert in a pillar of fire and a cloud by day, counseling them, leading them. And as we've been studying through the past several months through Jesus and what his life here on earth in the book of Matthew looked like, he's been counseling his disciples and the crowds that are around him. And thankfully, when they don't get it, when they still don't understand, he brings them closer as a counselor would and teaches them and cares for them. Again, I sometimes think, am I guilty of, of learning about Jesus but not understanding that aspect of him as a counselor? That Jesus is just not in our lives on Sunday and then it's up to us to figure out the rest of the week in our own way, in our own power, making our own decisions Monday through Saturday. But see, if Jesus is our wonderful counselor, we seek him in all things. Again, an honest question we should ask. If Jesus is my wonderful counselor, can I see him in every decision that I make? One's great and one's small. Can I see him as a counselor when I pray about how I should live my life? Or is it up for me to decide? See, the world will say that, that, that the Christian way of believing is outdated, that Jesus is not relevant to the, today's world. See, I would argue that to be untrue, primarily because of what the writer in Hebrews tells us, that Jesus is a counselor when he says that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus can be our wonderful counselor because of how he submitted himself to this sin-filled world by taking on flesh and experiencing every temptation that you and I will face on this earth. Which is why the writer follows up with, hey, now because of this, you can come boldly. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't have to be afraid. So when we're faced with a situation that we don't know how to address, when we're faced with a question that seems like there is no answer, who can we turn to? We can turn to the same one who walked the same path as we did, yet without sin. That's a wonderful counselor. And it says that he promised that he would lead us through his word. And he would give us the Holy Spirit to help us in walking out this life, having him as a wonderful counselor. And I love how David summed it up in Psalm 16. 
And he wrote specifically about Jesus being his counselor. He said this. He said, I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Even at night. When my thoughts trouble me. I will always let the Lord guide me. Because he is at my right hand. Because of it, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart will be glad. And my whole being will rejoice. Man, look, listen. My body also rests securely. How many sleepless nights have you laid awake trying to figure things out your own way? How many nights have you been unable to rest because you have carried the weight of your burden yourself. If Jesus becomes our wonderful counselor, you can hold fast that your body will also rest securely. Doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly. It means that sometimes we will forget. But man, it's scriptures like this that we can come back to and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, will you be my, my counselor so that my body can rest Securely, For he goes on, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me because in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. He is our wonderful counselor.